0: The Wise Women's Council is back. We are back this year. We are now accepting enrollments for our class of 2022. One person said, it made me feel seen and less alone. What I didn't expect was just how expansive Wise Women's Council was for me. The people I met, what I learned both about myself and the world, it truly expanded what I thought was possible about working parenthood. Another person said, The Wise Women's Council brings these incredible women together, and you form relationships over nine months that approximate the closeness of many years-long friendships. You learn things about yourself that you didn't know before. You unlock ways of understanding the world around you outside of where you were before. And here's one more. Another woman said, There is no way to describe what it feels like to be validated. So much of being a woman, and more so a mom, makes one feel invisible. In this space, I felt seen and heard by really smart, funny, and fearless parents. If you are looking to join a supportive, expansive, brilliant group of women founders, leaders, business owners, and creatives, then check out the Wise Women's Council. We only open once a year for applications to join. Applications this year close March 1st, 2022. You can go to startupparent.com slash WWC. Or if you go to our website, look for the Wise Women's Council button right at the top. I hope you join this year. I can't wait to see your application.
1: I had a lot of help in the first few weeks from friends, from family. People were dropping off casseroles. I mean, We had so much food being dropped off because of our kind support community that we couldn't even possibly eat it all. We had freezer stuff forever. And then it, when I really needed it at like four months, it was gone. Right? Yeah. By then people yes. were like, you figured it out, right? Nope. <laughs> it's no like, still no, yeah. not really.
0: Welcome back to the Startup Parent Podcast. This is the show where we get to talk to working parents, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and creatives about what it looks like to raise kids and also build companies. I'm your host, Sarah K. Peck. If you've ever wished for parents to sit down and tell you the hard truths about what to expect with the first year of parenting, the highs, the lows, and what was a total surprise, then join us for today's episode. We are going to go in-depth and talk to you about what it was like and how we might approach the first year differently had we known more going into it. On this episode, we are not going to say, oh, it goes by so fast or savor it because those phrases really diminish how challenging the first year is, and they don't give you any concrete tools to work with. What is the first year like? What should you plan for? What should you prepare for? What is the potted plant stage? And why is the 8 to 10 month or the 10 to 12 month mark more challenging than you expect when they start to toddle around? She also talks about how becoming a mom changed her friendships and what friendships look like in pre-parenting versus as a parent and what you need to do a little bit differently to maintain or move on from some friendships. Vanessa Van Edwards is an author, a speaker, and the lead investigator with Science of People. She is used to being the authority in the room, and she teaches companies how to use behavioral science to train their employees. But after the birth of her daughter, Sienna, who's now two and a half, she realized just how much she had to learn about being responsible for another person. She describes that each day is no longer a single day, but it's like three days in one, because you have so much more to do as a parent. We also dig into her experience having a miscarriage and what she wishes she had known about the physical side of the experience and what it was like through those several days, emotionally, physically, relationally, and what she wishes more people would talk about. Also, you'll hear me talk a little bit about potty training. This was recorded in the spring of 2021, where I thought that I might have the ability to do potty training with my second kid over the summer. The summer of year two of the pandemic has been much harder than I expected. So we did not potty train for most of the summer and all those books that say 20 to 30 months are ideal. Well, that's not exactly what happened in our family. And I just wanna give a shout out to parents everywhere. If you are navigating new normals in the middle of a pandemic, you are doing your best. And all of the books with advice were probably written pre-pandemic. So we can take it loosely with a grain of salt. I will give you an update on potty training way at the end of this episode, just for those of you who are curious. All right, let's dig into our interview with Vanessa. Everyone, I am so excited to have Vanessa Van Edwards come back and join us on the show.
1: Vanessa, welcome back. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. Hi, everyone.
0: Welcome, welcome. Okay, so scale of one to 10, how tired are you on this particular day? On this
1: particular day, I'm, I'm tired. I'm maybe like a six or seven tired.
0: Yeah, with where 10 being is the most extreme tired.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I was like, I don't know which one is which <laughs> side, but yeah, like- a, Yeah, I was like, wait, I didn't give you a scale. Seven um, away okay from very rested. <laughs> seven <laughs> away. long away. Far, far, far. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, how many consecutive hours of sleep did you get last night?
1: Oh, I maybe got like six consecutive hours last night, which is not like terrible- But then I woke up at at five and couldn't go back to sleep really. So there you go. What woke you up? Was it? What was it? My husband got up because anxiety. Okay. No, my husband got up because he was having anxiety. And then I heard him get up and I was like, why is he anxious? And then that caused me to have anxiety, which is like a fun, it should be a name for that. Like the anxiety partner, partner, partner anxiety. Partner anxiety on behalf of your partner. Correct.
0: I actually know exactly what you're talking about. So we have the most comfy couch because probably once a week, one of us sleeps on it, mostly <laughs> out of respect for the other partner, because yes. one of us will be tossing and turning it with worry. And we're like, uh, don't wake up the other parent because two tired parents is way like just one of us should sleep.
1: Yes. <laughs> so yes. it's, it's like yes. a partner kindness. So It's partner anxiety. And like, so you have anxiety for your partner. And then it's like a kindness that like, you don't want to bother your partner with the worry you have because <laughs> only one of you can carry it. the other
0: thing that wakes us up is uh how old is your kiddo two and a half
1: 30 for for math for math minded folks 32 months if you're you're curious 32 months wow wow I kind of want to I want to teach her how to answer like you know how adults will ask kids like how old are you I I sort of part of my dry humor is I want her to be I want her to say 32 months which just to watch people's (laughs) expression be like math math 32 divided by 12 carry the two <laughs> one that's two and a half years old
0: and she'd be like but if you're counting it's 40 months from conception plus or my- no just kidding. <laughs> yeah
1: the funny thing is she could not do that so like when people ask her how old are you she says my I'm Sienna and when people ask what's your name she says two so like we're, there, there's no way in the world that she would ever say 32 yes yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. That's funny. Um, okay, so have you been through potty training? Are you doing that?
1: Is that okay? Yes. We've mastered Uh, potty training during waking hours and we have not tackled it during naps and night night. That's what I was gonna say. So I have a I have a five he's almost five. Uh And recently
0: he started, he was like, Oh, I'm not gonna use a diaper overnight. And we're like, Oh, good on you. Like you do you, (laughs) right? And then you're like, wait, wait a second. Do we have to get up with you? In the middle of any, like, <laughs> like, yeah. we're like, please keep a diaper on. But no, it turns out our five-year-old has the bladder of like a horse because he will make it until like five 30, but, and this is way TMI, but I know people appreciate things Love like it. This, but Love it. in the morning there, it's either my husband or my five-year-old who gets up to go pee and I can tell which one is which by the sound. <laughs>
1: also that you your your immediate reaction to your child saying I would like to basically potty tra- night potty train myself was but will that be work like will that, <laughs> <laughs> will, will that be more work which I totally totally vibe with
0: listen we're a year into a pandemic I like we were supposed to potty we had on the calendar to potty train my um, younger child who is two, oh, I don't know, he's almost two and a half
1: Don't don't you love, can we just pause and just say that you added that to your calendar and I just love that so much.
0: (laughs) I did. Well, because I realized like, here's my strategy. I didn't want to take winter clothes off. So I skipped winter. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to have to like undress you a lot, a lot. And then, but then I realized that summer was coming. I was like, I also don't want to like block off a whole summer weekend when we could be having fun. Mm, So mm. I targeted it for a rainy spring weekend. It was like, looks like it's going to be rainy. We're going to do it at this time. I, how old is he? He was born in October. So with 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, <laughs> 29 months. Um, and it's about the right time. He's like noticing. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, and then the weekend came and I was like, I cannot. I do you not took have the out? energy. You t- I took, you it, took it out? I, we did not do it. I, I'm just so tired. I know. I know. So, it. There, I know. There,
1: that's... Yeah. Someone, someone told me that the, the golden zone for potty training is between 20 and 30 months. Have you heard of that? Yes. Yes. I, yes, I have. I, I think that that is so, sort of true. I mean, it's not like to the day, so but I think that that's true. I think we, we did it at like 25 or 26 months and it was relatively easy, although she's afraid of pulling up her underwear. So there's that.
0: Yes. Yes. So, so <laughs> she
1: can do everything except we need to pull up her underwear. Like she like shakes and cries when we ask her to pull up her underwear. <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> you're like i got you i'll come my my older child whistles for us but he doesn't know how to whistle so he just screams and <laughs> he goes Woo-woo! like that's the sound he makes so <laughs> when he's on the go, he's like someone like me Woo-woo! and we're like are we at your beck and call i guess we are like that's that's the world we live in
1: i hope uh, that that sticks for many years <laughs> i hope that like he's in fifth grade and he's like Woo-woo! like in, in elementary school and like a teacher comes running like what <laughs> What do you want me to do?
0: <laughs> oh, you're cracking me up. Okay, so yeah, I just, I want to acknowledge the fact that we're in a year into a pandemic, so tired and extra tired and parents aren't sleeping through the night. Um, and something I want to talk to you about today also is the social anxiety and the the how to be a person uh, oh. because you're, you're an expert in this, but I want to save that for later. Yes. Um, first, I have to say people have, reached out to me so many times about the episode you and I did before on the first few weeks they Mm. were just like I needed this I listened to it it made everything not terrible I realized that like I wasn't crazy for going through this so first of all that episode was amazing
1: that makes me so happy and I, I I think that we are underserved in those first few weeks and so I'm hoping that this episode can be the same just as helpful for the first year man that makes me so happy
0: Yes. Okay. So people, if you haven't listened to it, we have it all linked in the show notes. We have an episode with Vanessa Van Edwards. You can also search for her name and it's all about the first few weeks and how hazy and hard and upside down they are and what newborns are really like because so many books just skip past it. They're like after the first few weeks and you're like, no, 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 wait, stop record scratch. I need to know what happens inside those first few weeks. Like somebody talk about it. So amazing episode. Um, and now you, I didn't realize that your kiddo was two and a half. Um, <laughs> So,
1: (laughs) you know, it gives me some perspective to look back on the first year. So I think we can we can stick with it and talk a little bit about the second year. But it, it, it gives me perspective on the first year, actually. Yeah, let's
0: talk about the first year. So that's what I want to I dig into first, and then we'll get into social awkwardness uh, around the pandemic and other things, and just general, general social awkwardness. But first, let's talk about the first year, because you had a big thriving business um, from the outside, right? And From yes. what I know of, and you can give us a bigger a sense of that. And you got pregnant, and you had your first kiddo. So she was born when? In 2019? Does that make this? July 20- 2018. 2018. Okay. So... Um, I should I should, that's when my child was born. Same year, Sarah, you could do this math. Um, you could do it. You got it. You got it. You could do it. <laughs> so what, what was the first year? Like, I'm going
1: to leave that as an open question.
0: Can you yeah. take us through what you expected yes. and what it was like?
1: Yes. So it's funny. The first few weeks, just as you mentioned, I had this anger that everyone skipped it. Like people were like after the first few weeks and like no one ever told you. And that is a critical kind of. Uh, critical learning phase, the first year, you always hear the same thing. So for the first year, all I would ever hear from parents, and this was whether they had a year and a one-month-year-old or a 30-year-old, they would all say, oh, it just goes so fast. (laughs) That's literally everyone who talked to me from day zero to 365 days of Sienna's life. It was like, it moves so fast. Just savor it. Just savor every minute. It mm-hmm. moves so fast. I cannot tell you how many people and how many generations and how many cultures told me that. And that is actually extremely unhelpful and actually pressure-filled advice in a weird way. It's I always felt a little bit like, but it doesn't feel fast. <laughs> and yeah. so then immediately felt wrong. I will tell you, the first year of my daughter's life was the y- longest year of my life. It was an incredible year, but it for me, and this was pre-pandemic, it did not move fast. And so every time that sort of sentiment was given to me, I thought, am I doing something wrong that it's not moving so fast? Now, I, don't, I think this is also has to do with being a working parent and a parent that owns your own business, which is in the first year, especially, I felt like every day was actually three days. Every day, it was the first part of the, the first day of a day was the morning period. When will she wake up? How hungry will she be? Will I be able to have enough milk? How do I feed myself? Do I check my email while she's sitting and gurgling and Googling and crawling? Or do I just try to enjoy the moment with her? Is my husband fed? Should I clean the house? Should I throw in a load of laundry? And the nanny's here. The day starts. So that's day one of the day right? Like the morning period, which felt like an entire day to me. It is. Yeah. It's an entire day. It's exhausting. Yes. yes. And it's its own thing. And there are beautiful moments in it and there are feeding moments in it. And, and so it's, it was his own day. And then the work day began. And that was a different day also because it had, I had my, my to-do list that started the moment. I, it didn't, I think pre-children, my to-do list was sort of always there. If I felt like popping into it on Sunday afternoon, I would. If I felt like checking my email early or late, I did. As a parent, no, like my to-do list for work was really just my to-do list. And so I didn't really see it or think about it until I actually sat down at my computer. So then your workday starts and you have your meetings and your podcasts and your, you know, as, as you mentioned so kindly, business has been booming since April, 2017. April, 2017, my book came out and it... It took me by surprise. I, I, I was like, I hope someone reads this. Like I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I just didn't expect it to just uh, explode in the way that it did. And so since then we've been on this very fast moving train. And so the work day was its own day which when I was breastfeeding it included pump breaks and trying to feed myself. And um, I was working at home as well as my daughter was at home. So making sure I would, I got to see her when in between naps. And then when the, when our help left that was the last day of the day. <laughs> yeah and then it was family time dinner time meal time feeding time bath time all of those things and so every day was three days for a year and that i really felt that way for a full year i
0: i i just am like writing this down and taking notes i and i think one of the things if i can layer on to that for people listening for me the hard part and i i better understood this when I had a second kid was that if things get better for three weeks, that's amazing. But your your graph is not a um, up into the right, your graph is a sine wave, like it gets Mm -hmm. better for three weeks, and then it dips for three weeks, and it gets better and it dips. And I remember so many people, I've, I've worked with so many parents now, you know, at eight weeks, they're like, I've got this. And they plan the next six months of their life as though everything's <laughs> going to be up and to the right. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, wait a second. Like, I don't want to scare months. you, but like Ooh. weeks yeah. 12 through 16 are really tough because yes. like your yes. battery runs out. Yes. Um, you've like, you've like powered through the hustle and the adrenaline or whatever surge you had. And then it's like, oh what and you're trying to go back to work for some people, and so, like, those are really tough. And then the four and a half month regression, which just Dude. knocks us all right, Dude. right? Like, it just so the more you even think, like, okay, three good weeks, three tough weeks, three good weeks, three tough weeks. It, I
1: to me, it's less crazy making, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a really good way of putting it, also because I think, um, I know we're going to talk about kind of what I wish I had known, but I'll, I'll skip ahead a little bit, which is yeah, I had a lot of help in the first few weeks. From friends, from family, people were dropping off casseroles. I mean, we had so much food being dropped off because of our kind support community that we couldn't even possibly eat it all, I and mean, we had freezer stuff forever. And then it, when I really needed it at like four months, it was gone. Right. Yeah. By then, people yes. were like, "You figured it out, right?" Nope. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, no. Still no not. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. And so, um, I found, and I, I, I don't want to share this to make people afraid or scared. I just want to share this so that if you're in it or you experience it, you feel like it's Ah, other people have this too, which is, I was knocked sideways. I like that wave. I was knocked sideways by the four month mark, uh, four, four and a half month mark. I also found that 10 month right before they walk, yep. I, I, that was shockingly hard for me. And the reason for that, and I was not prepared for this is before they walk, they are toddling. And if you are a neurotic person like me, <laughs> everything is a death trap. Yes, and so yes. When they're toddling, they are trying to walk all the time, so it's exhausting. You're on you're on the floor all the time. They are eating everything, which also, as a neurotic person, you're like, what did she just put in her mouth? That's right. So I yeah. found that like eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven months, because she walked at a year were really um, surprisingly stressful in the times it didn't used to be. So you, it used to be in the first half of the first year, I loved our tummy time. I loved our mind time. I could relax with her. I could lay on the floor with her. We could look into each other's eyes. Well, eight months, that switched. All of a sudden, yep. tummy time was stressful time for me because she was pulling up, she was trying to toddle, which was exciting, but it switched a, a, a time where I actually used to find relaxing with it flipped and then feeding time became more relaxing yes, and yes, toddled. So I think that that just being prepared for like, um, I think what people mean when they very well-meaning say it moves so fast, savor it. A, a, a better, a better, longer answer would be every phase has pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate yeah. the pros when you're in it and know that it might change soon. That's actually a better answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. more, that, that's less wronging. And so I think that that was something that I really um, wish I had known. The other thing I wanted to mention with the first year, I was very prepared to discover motherhood. And I think we talked about this in the first episode is there was sort of these Maslow's hierarchy of needs that all of a sudden I was bumped to the very bottom of the triangle. Yeah, so yeah. once that kind of goes away after the first few, few weeks, I was prepared to discover what is life as a mother? You know, what is it like to be a mother? What I was not prepared for was that being a mother would change other parts of my life, like being a friend as a mother. Yeah. So all of a sudden... I had to figure out, do I have the kind of friendships that will accommodate naps or do I not?
0: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know, that, you know I what chills. I
1: mean? Yes. Right. Yes. So like all of a sudden you've been friends with someone for three or four years and you know, you always grab lunch or you grab brunch. Well, now you have a kiddo and they were so excited for you. And then all of a sudden at, you know, 10 or 12 weeks, you kind of poke your head out. You're like, okay, I, I can, I can go out now, you know? And you send a text instead of, you send a text like this. Hey, want to grab bunch Sunday? You send a text that said, hey, want to want go for a walk and grab a coffee this week? Well, now your text sounds like this. Hey, so Sienna naps from 8.30 a.m. to 9.15 a.m. And I have a, a window of about an hour from 10.15 to to 1120, depending on the day. Do you wanna go somewhere that's five minutes from my house? And I'm also gonna to have to bring my pump just in case. So it has to be a quiet place with a big bathroom. Do you wanna do that on Sunday? <laughs> it's so real it, like <laughs> it's so real okay wait I want to
0: go back a little bit because I think what you said about the um I've have, I've have so much I want to say yes <laughs> you about uh first the so we talk about like the 10 the, the 10 to 12 the 12 to 16 week mark it can be so hard in that four months but then you get this magical mythical I call it the potted plant stage where Mm. you're calling tummy time, where like you put your baby down and they stay. Like, like, so it's like, it's so cute. And it's so deceiving because you're like, oh my God, being a mom's easy. Like I can (laughs) put my kid down and they'll stay. Right. They don't do anything. Oh, look, they rolled over. Like they're they're great. Right. I mean, it's not anything,
1: anything. And they're delighted. Literally anything, (laughs) a piece of trash. And they are delighted by it.
0: It's like we used to live on a busy street. So the lights from the the street window would go across the ceiling and it just occupied my kid for hours and it was great. Um, I remember wait
1: wait, I remember I yeah, went on ahead. a little I went on like a two hour flight once with her and I was like, <laughs> I bought a bag of potato chips and was like, Yeah, that will entertain her for the flight. That's right. That's right.
0: Actually, and I did I got this advice and I did really appreciate it. Like travel a lot when they're four to yes. seven, eight years old because it's that's so right. it's so much easier. Even though you're like, What are you talking about? I don't sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um but it it is easier And I know that's hard to understand. So if you're in that stage, but, uh, but yeah, then they start moving and it, it's not, it's not just subjective. It is objectively, they're more of a danger to themselves and, and at more risk when they're nine months old than when they're newborns, like you can drop a newborn and like mush their head back and they'll be okay. That's not, don't take me literally people, but like generally speaking, but when they're older, I have to tell you, okay, what has happened to my kids? Um, Leo fell downstairs and chipped his tooth henry um split his chin open because he fell down one stair Uh, (laughs) um we were sitting at dinner at at the grandparents house and we had glassware instead of plasticware and leo just reached for something and put his hand through a wine glass and so he split his thumb like it's just like we have been to the er we have been and part of me is like i'm not a bad parent i swear but also they're just like walking disasters Uh and they're trying to walk and they're trying to pull up and so I was like from nine months to I would even almost 18 months until they really can walk without falling yes the the level of surveillance of just constant just it's like my hands are out and I'm scanning 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 like what are they gonna you know that part is so challenging and then they do things like drop a nap and you're like No, my routine, my semblance of a routine is
1: gone. (laughs) Um, I I would use the word um, vigilant. You use the word surveillance, which I love, which for, for those of us who are very vigilant already in our lives, in our businesses, you know, I'm very vigilant about my business. I'm constantly watching everything from Google search trends to sales numbers, to my employees, to, you know to add a vigilance already that I already had to that playtime, which is called playtime, which all of a sudden switched to vigilant mother time. And I would agree. I'm glad that we're, I'm two and a half years out because I can, I can confidently say if you're in that period or you're about to start that period, it does go back to playtime. It, yes. it, it does go back to beautiful, wonderful playtime. Where you can absolutely drop your vigilance, so yeah. I totally agree. It was like that eight or nine months mark to about eighteen months that I just wasn't expecting. I just wasn't expecting it. And I wish I had just just wrapped my mind around it so that when I was in the planted potted plant stage, I just could have. I just wish I had appreciated the fact that I could lay down next to her. <laughs>
0: Yes. Yes. The, uh, so much of this and yeah, now having a two, I find having a two-year-old to be delightful. I think it's the love sweetest it. thing. I and love it. And the, what we talked about with the potty training, that 20 to 30 month window from my, you know, data point of one. So non-scientific background, uh, there's like from t- age two to two and a half, there's a level of like eager compliance. That's so sweet. Like they just want to help and do things and like be a part like we're there like I'm there yeah sweeping the broom and taking it's like take your plate and he's like okay and then three it's like there's a little bit of power and like Oh, I I can say no. And you're like, hey, let's put your shoes on. Mm -mm. Like, let's do this. And so that's why it's so much harder to potty train because they're learning this new Uh cognitive skill of being able to say no. So it's like, let's wipe your, no. And you're like, oh, oh, I should have done it when you were so like supple and
1: compliant. So I totally, totally agree. Um, And so I think that's all stuff I just wish I had known. And By the way, I forgot to mention with the the friendship thing. You also have to figure out- Yeah. Yeah. You'll, I, I just forgot to mention that you also have to figure out like, who is willing to talk about what with you. So it wasn't just like, how do I be friends as a mother with my motherhood schedule? I I had this matrix in my head, which was very complicated, which was this friend doesn't like to hang out with Sienna. This friend doesn't mind mm-hmm. if I bring Sienna. This friend, I can talk about Sienna, but I can't bring her. This friend uh, doesn't really like to hear about Sienna at all. I've noticed. Um, right. It, and- and Trying to figure out how to be social and be a friend around um, being a mother—it it was a completely new skill, and I just did not realize I have to be figuring that out along with actually being a mother.
0: I, you know, I think the most generous thing we could do is be very specific. I love how specific you were because it gives people an opportunity when it comes to what we need, which is like, Hey, my life has changed. Like a lot has changed. I didn't, you know, the kid doesn't hide in a box. I don't put them in a drawer when I no longer want to have them. They're always here. And this is part of my life. But then also that compartmentalization that you're talking about where you're like, okay, which friends, like, where am I being sensitive to different things? And how do I have conversations and which ones just want to talk about business? It's a lot of extra work to do. Yes.
1: Yes. And so I think there's nothing really to necessarily prepare for, except that hopefully people who are listening, if you're like, I feel like I'm relearning how to be a friend. I did feel that way. And I actually still feel that way.
0: Yeah, I I I agree.
1: I still feel that way. And I know a pandemic didn't help, but you know, her hanging out with friends with toddlers is different than hanging out with friends with babies, you know, um, hanging out with friends when you're breastfeeding is different than hanging out with friends when they're toddling. And so I'm trying to have a lot of just like gentleness with myself and be like, it's okay that right now I don't even have capacity, like that that's okay, versus like okay I think it would be fun to um, meet some friends with toddlers at a park. I think that would actually sound fun, whereas before it might have been that I felt comfortable going to a restaurant. Now at her age it would be a certain only kind of restaurant that has a playground in it. Yes. Um. And so I think <laughs> yep. constantly- adapt- Take the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the, the restaurants <laughs> that saved my life when she was 10 months old are different than the restaurants now at two and a half.
0: Yeah. Yes. And can we just say how exhausting it is just to yeah. constantly- like, like- Every time you do a new project and you research new things and you're learning new things, it's more tiring than operating from a place where habit formation has already happened. So this is one of the reasons why parenting can be so hard because you're constantly having to learn new things.
1: Yes. And like, that's okay. It means you're doing something right. So if you are exhausted because you're like, oh my God, like what I want to have, I want to see my friends. I'm dying to have fun, but I I don't even know how you're doing something right.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. You're doing it. You're doing it. You're doing it. And we're right there with you. Oh, this, this motherhood friends, friendship is such a big bucket and such an important question. And I, I, I'm, I want to tease something out that you said, like, like it's okay to make Margo and I, you know, Margo, cause I think that's how yeah. we met, but yeah, Margo and I call these local friends. Like, yeah. like sometimes you just need yourself to be reflected back with other people and they need to be close by and they need to be IRL. And so you join a mom's group and you have toddlers together and maybe you don't have everything in common, but you just need people to see you and validate the fact that you are a parent with a child. Like, mm-hmm. Those are so that bucket for me is so important, but I also need a bucket of friends that see me and see me across all the different facets of who I am. So they see yeah. me as a 37 year old, they see me as um, the interesting idea person that they knew before, they see me as a business owner, and that changes over time. Like maybe I have tons of entrepreneur friends, but I need entrepreneur parent friends, hence why I started Startup Parent, like case in point, but uh-huh. right, like you just all those different buckets can
1: be hard to fill. Very hard to fill and, and keep filled by the way. And like, and like, okay. keep filled.
0: I have questions for you because so you have this business and it really took off in 2017 after the book, people listening, if you don't know the backstory, uh, with Vanessa, go back to our first episode, which I'll also link in the show notes, because I think it was the first one, not the second yeah. one, yeah. because you tell the story of you published a different book and then this book. And it wasn't like the first book was a smashing success, no, like the there's first a cool way- backstory. The
1: first book was a failure. It totally yeah. flopped. Yeah. So the second yeah. book was a surprise success after a monstrous failure. So yeah. yeah,
0: go yeah. Listen, to so that if story. you want the failure story, go back and listen. Yeah. These episodes with Vanessa are amazing. So um, I just want to drop that Easter egg in there. So, um, so now let's talk about business and how your business shifted through both having a kid, but then also the pandemic, because you have got two big milestones for you. So can you take us through 2018, 2020? Like what sure. are some of the significant milestones?
1: Yeah. And I, uh, I think that the very first thing is um, less about my business practically, which I definitely want to talk about and more about like yeah. my business intuition, which I had this assumption that as a savvy business owner, as a, you know, at the beginning, I was, a, I started my business 12 years ago. I was definitely a scrappy business owner. I figured with my intuition and my savvy, I'll be able to figure out parenting, (laughs) no problem. Um, -hmm. and so I think, um, it was a real wake up call to realize that I couldn't. Um, and so I had a wake up call, which I have, I have never actually, I I never really shared it with anyone because there was never, there's not been a person to ask. I think I'm hoping I can share it here, which is, yes, please. (laughs) It's a very weird wake up call. So, um, We, I breastfed all the way through eight months, but I wasn't producing enough milk in the beginning. So we supplemented with formula about at about three weeks, four weeks, and it was really hard to find a bottle that she would take. And this was a shock to me because I had been given all these free bottles and none of them worked, you know, like in baskets and all the, and I was like, there are different kinds of bottles. There are different kinds of nipples. And of course, how would I know that? But I was angry at myself that I didn't know that, which is ridiculous because you can't have an intuition about bottle nipples, yet I thought I should just know that. So all of a sudden, I'm like furiously researching on my phone, you know, different bottle nipples for burping and which ones are ergonomically correct for their mouth. And, you know, so now I'm like educating myself on my phone while I'm breastfeeding about nipples. Finally, we get a whole box of different kinds and she likes one called Komotomo. Great, we find one that works. We rush order it. Now, if you look at my Amazon history, you'll see this process. It's like normal orders and all of a sudden, rush order, rush order, rush order, and a book. (laughs) And that's because it's like, oh my God, I just stumbled upon something I have no idea about. I better learn about it really fast and I better rush order all these things I didn't know I needed. And then, so we order Komotomo and that's going really well. And about six months in, Um, we're having all these feeding problems. She's like not gaining weight. She's really small. What's going on? You know, I'm, I'm freaking out about it. And someone casually asks me, well, are you using the medium flow nipple? And I was like, "What?" what?" (laughs) and she's like the medium flow nipple. And I was like, what is that? And she was like, oh, well in a bottle, the holes are different sizes. I had no idea. Of course you had no idea. I I had no idea. And I was so ashamed. Like, I was so upset in that moment because I felt like I had failed my daughter. Here she was trying to get food out of a bottle that was too small. The hole was too small for her. But I had ordered Komotomo off of Amazon. It it didn't even occur to me to check, like, nipple sizes. There's no follow-up, you know, like, hey, it's about time to to, yeah. to upgrade to the book. So anyway, it was something I didn't know. Of course, I didn't have someone telling me because who tells you really, like, it's not even like I had really close friends, but not like they were like checking in and being like, so have you switched to that medium flow? <laughs> Apple recently? No one. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would say that one thing that I kind of wish I had, uh, known is that my business savvy doesn't translate and that's fine. Like that, that's absolutely fine. In fact, like researching and using my business learning, I wish I had dug into that more. That it, I didn't. I wasn't supposed to wait on my intuition. I wish I had asked people. And this is a question that now I ask people all the time about future kids: is Would you please go through your Amazon and tell me which <laughs> products are game yes. changers and when? Yes.
0: Oh, that's such a good question. I I love this so much because there's. Uh, There's a part of Darcy Lockman's book, All the Rage, that it's just like blew my mind open in such a positive way that's related to what you're saying. And the section is called There's No Such Thing as a Maternal Instinct. And she basically blows apart this cultural idea that we have this magical download that we get where we're just going to know motherhood stuff and like and I love what you're saying about like your business savvy doesn't prepare for it and then what Darcy's saying which is like hey there's not some like magical download that comes out of your vagina she doesn't say this but like there's not (laughs) some magical download that comes out of your abdomen or your vagina when you have a baby it's just that's the way my friend Carrie Fortin says it like you just it's not a thing like you don't get an upgrade in your software it's hard and you learn it slowly and badly and people don't give you enough information. And yes,
1: yes, yeah. exactly. And so I that leads me to kind of answer your question more fully, which is um, approaching my business as a parent. I have not, it took me a long time to calibrate my calculator, my time calculator. So mm. I'm sure you have this where you're thinking about projects coming up, right? So yeah. for me, it could be a book project or a YouTube project or a new marketing plan. And in your head, you time calculate, you use a time calculator of, okay, well, here's, here's my workload right now, my daily load. And I think I'll probably have about a couple weeks to do that. Yeah, I think this, I think this project is going to take me about three months. That's like a time calculator that we've used throughout our entire life to figure out how productive we are, our schedule. Recalibrating your time calculator to parenthood is really, really hard. And so what was interesting was, is I had Sienna. I had no idea how maternity leave would feel. Then I come out of maternity leave and I begin to take on projects. Yet I have not calibrated my time calculator (laughs) Uh-huh. So someone comes near the project that I'm very familiar with and says, hey, we'd love for you to write this article for this magazine. Okay, great. Yeah, I can turn that around for you in two weeks. No problem. <laughs> yep. Well, pre sienna that would have been no problem. But post Sienna, it's a huge problem. And so I actually feel like it took me the entire first year and maybe even more to recalibrate how long it takes me to get shit done. I just nodding over here. I'm just nodding. (laughs) So, so that was a hard one. And then for the, for the business um, it it just, it's been growing and growing and growing. Like it has not slowed down. So we we've hired new people. And um, then the pandemic hit all of my in-person speaking events canceled, which actually wasn't a terrible thing because I missed my daughter during in-person speaking events, or I'd have to bring her with me. So I was actually like secretly a little bit delighted. <laughs> I was like a little bit because I I do maybe like one or two in person speaking events a month, so it's a lot of travel. And so when the pandemic hit, we had maybe like a hundred thousand dollars in speaking events cancel. Um, And even with that income loss, I was kind of happy because right. I was like, wow, I'm going to get all that time back. And for the first time ever. I was able to shift our business to be more what I want it to be, which is more virtual trainings. So people who would never have considered a virtual training with me before, like Amazon, for example. So um, uh, a, a gentleman, a VP at Amazon had reached out that he liked to captivate and said, you know, we've never done a virtual training before at Amazon, but we want you to train all of our customer service agents, 17,000 of them who have just gone virtual. We would never normally do this. And so I never would have gotten that opportunity had we not all of a sudden gone virtual. And it required like very quick pivoting, changing around all my content, because I teach a lot about Mm -hmm. handshakes and body language, reading faces. And so now I have a reading faces with a mask. And now I have what to do instead of a handshake. And now instead of first impressions in person, it's first impressions on video. So I would say the first three months of the pandemic were like a ton of content pivoting, which worked which really, really worked. Um, and then I had a, a second book idea. So my, well, I have, it's actually my third book idea because y'all know that my first right. book failed. <laughs> um, and uh, so my my publisher has been um, asking and asking, you know, what when's the next one gonna come? And I was, I finally have time. I finally have time to think about as I can Because book. you're I'm not mom. Yeah, yeah, I'm not traveling great. So I have a great idea. I pitch it. They buy it. I'm so excited. I say, yes, absolutely. I can get that done in six months. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was a huge mistake. Mistake. (laughs) That was a huge mistake. So I use this time calculator. and, And at that time, Sienna had almost turned two I was like, yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not traveling. And no, that was not, that was not true. And so, um, what ended up happening was I, w- I signed a contract for six months, right? Like the, in your contract, if you were 30 days late, it affects everything on your manuscript.
0: Right. And so the
1: first three months was okay. And I was writing and researching. And then I, about three months in, I went, uh Oh, I am not even close to getting this done on time. And it, I'm a people pleaser. So instead of just going to my publisher and asking, could I please have an extension? I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I like could not ask for that extension. There was like something about pride. I just like, I couldn't do it. And so I just um, basically killed myself to get it in and I turned it in last week.
0: Oh, well, that's so yeah. recent.
1: Yeah. So it, it, it was four days late.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Good job. Um, you did it. Oh my God. I,
1: Yes, I did it, but I also didn't ask for my needs. Like I ver- like yeah. Nikki Papadopoulos is my editor. She would have been absolutely fine if I had asked for an extension, and yet I couldn't do it. So there's something that needs to be worked out there. You know, I'm, yeah, I don't know if you want to yeah. be my therapist today, Sarah, but- um, I was going to you know. say,
0: like, what do you think was happening there? But <laughs> only if you want to go there, like, because it's so hard, yeah. and we don't want
1: to disappoint people. And like, what happens for you? I, I think I was like, I got this done before Sienna. I don't want her to feel like being a mother has made me slower or weaker. And I don't think she, there's no way she ever would have thought that. She just had her second kid. In fact, while I was writing, she was on her maternity leave. So if anyone, she would have understood. But I have this, like this issue with, I don't want people to see me as changed, but I am changed.
0: Oh, it's such a conflict. I know I have friends all the time. They're like, I don't want to use the motherhood excuse again, or I don't want to blame it on motherhood because you'd also don't want to like perpetuate a bad rap because out there in the world, there's this like, oh, mom, there's such anti-mom bias that you don't, it's like holding it up for other people, but also we're taking care of somebody else's life with our
1: time. And of course our lives have changed. So it's such a bizarre trap that we're in. It, it it was a trap and I will tell you I got it in four days late and the and the last three months of working on that book were hell the last three months have been hell now oh. yeah. they were also hell because what happened three months in when I told you I realized I'm not going to get this book done was I had a miscarriage which you know about yeah So I I'm gonna try not to cry. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I only know a little bit about it, and I was gonna ask you about it on the show. What what happened? What can you share with us, or what do you want to say?
1: Yeah, so I um, signed my second book deal, and then got pregnant, which was like what (laughs) like, and we have been trying for about a a couple months, maybe six months. So I was like, you know, great, like it'll work out with with the book timing, you know, because there's it's it's about eighteen months pre pub, so you have a lot of time. And so, of course, I got pregnant right after I signed my book deal, which I was thrilled about. Like, I was thrilled to be pregnant and writing. You know, that sounded wonderful. Um, and so the first three months of writing the book were pretty glorious. You know, I was finally pregnant and working on this new book and not traveling and spending all this time with Sienna. And then um, I went in for my first ultrasound. I know that sounds like really... in in retrospect, like sort of stupid, but like, I just wasn't expecting bad news. Yeah. It doesn't sound stupid. I mean, I, I know the rate of miscarriage I'm 35. So, you know, there's definitely higher risk for me, but I just was so blindsided. And so like, we go in, we're so excited. It's our first ultrasound. We're like, you know, can't wait. And I did not understand what she was saying to me when she was like, there is no heartbeat. Right. I just, like like, what?
0: It's like shock. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't understand it. Oh, did you have
1: anyone with you? thank goodness they let my husband in, (laughs) you know, this is during the pandemic so that he had to wait kind of separately, but thank God he was in there with me. And then it was just like, I I just, it took me a long time to just even understand it. Like I just didn't, Mm -hmm. I was like, how can that, how can, how, how can that be? Like how I'm morning sick. Like how that's not right. Like I kept waiting for her to say, Oh, there it is. You know, like it, so that was absolutely just shocking and horrible. And then I had to do this. What I was really not prepared for was the horrifying process of going through the physical aspect of the miscarriage,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I have, I had heard, I have some friends who have talked about the miscarriage. I, I am now openly talking about my miscarriage because I want people to not feel alone, to to just understand what it means. If it happens to them, you, the, 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 physical aspect, the physical recovery, I'd always heard people say like, yeah, I had a miscarriage. It was horrible. I'm so sorry. But I never understood what that actually physically means. And so you're faced with either doing surgery to remove the fetus mm-hmm. or having to actually deliver the quote unquote material, which is what they call it. Mm -hmm. And I was eight weeks pregnant. So my doctor, I I didn't really want to get surgery because I wanted to be able to try again. And my doctor said, listen, like if we do the surgery, you will have to wait three months at least. Okay. Okay. And so they give you, if if you don't want to have the surgery because you want to try again, you, you basically... Put this, this is like TMI, right? Like, can I go TMI? Please, no, I was going to ask
0: you for more detail. So it's not TMI to me.
1: I did not know this was possible. So I thought if you have a miscarriage, you either, act, you bleed and you're on the toilet and you bleed, which I know that can happen to some women, or you have a surgery. I didn't know there was an in-between. So the in-between is what I ended up doing, which is you insert these um, pills, or prescription pills up into your cervix which causes very painful contractions. And then you deliver like, that's what it is. And because I was only eight weeks, I did it at home. So it's very scary and it's very disgusting. And it's also heartbreaking and you're at home alone. And this was during the pandemic. So I really didn't want to go into the hospital or do anything. And you are doing it. You're inserting the pills. So it it was really awful because the doctor was like, let's wait a couple of days and see if you, you know, pass naturally, which was torture, right? Four days of just waiting to see if you're about to miscarry, right? Like it it was torture. After four days, I was like, I can't handle it. I I cannot wait anymore. I can't do this. I can't just wake up every day wondering if I'm gonna miscarry today, knowing that there's a, a a dead baby. I can't, I cannot do it. So we got the pills. And then you're like, okay, like, are you ready to deliver this material? That's basically what you're doing. And it's extremely painful, or at least it was extremely painful for me. Um, Just like delivery. I mean, like vomiting and horrible cramps. Cramps. Yeah. Yeah. Like it lasts for me, it was like 24 hours, you know, just like wrestling with it. And then it's like weeks of bleeding, like weeks and weeks. Of bleeding, so I just—it was like so awful to go through this loss, and then to have these this horrible, long, drawn out. You know, I still don't feel recovered. You know, and it's four months later. I was going to say what,
0: um, so I'm trying to wrap my head around this and understand. You were, you went into. Do you remember what day it was? You went into a doctor on what day? November second. Oh, that was a Monday. Yeah, Monday. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, well, because of the election, right? That's how oh. I know. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a Monday, and then you had to wait four days. Yeah, just waiting. And then yeah. Friday, you had to do that. You got the pills and did this yourself. Exactly.
1: Going into the weekend. Yeah.
0: Going into the weekend, and then was there anyone there to help you over the weekend? Like, and you had a daughter too. Like, how how were you supported or not supported? Like, what do
1: you wish you had had, and what did it look like? Yeah, I, thank goodness was, so so I, you know, because of the pandemic, we couldn't fly like my mom in or anything like that. So that was very hard. I would have probably done that. You know, I would have said, mom, come in, hang out with Sienna for the weekend, you know, go do fun things with her. That's probably what I would have done. We couldn't. So I had my husband and then I believe um, my nanny stayed on, came, came on Saturday, which was great. Um, So I, I felt supported. I just wish I had like treated it more like I was about to, to, to deliver something, you know, like down to like the vomit bucket and like getting like Gatorades and chicken soup and lots of disposable diapers, not pads. Pads are not going to work. It's disposable diapers I should have gotten. I should have lined my bed with, you know, um, Oh, those sheets that they have from the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. I forget what Um, they're called. Um, I, I, I only, the only word I know is pee pads for dogs. <laughs> they're for the dogs. Yes. I,
0: well, you, I looked those up for, um, me postpartum, but you can get the, the disposable ones. I think they're hospital pads,
1: bed yes. pads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, I wish I had had that because I ruined a set of sheets. Um, and that's just upsetting, right? When you're in cramps and you're in pain and you see that you have blood on your bed, you want them changed immediately. Or at least I was like, get them off the bed, get them off the bed because right it's not just blood, right? It's other things that come out. So yeah, I just wish I had kind of gone into it with that mentality. Um, and everyone's different. Everyone, from what I've read online, because of course, in between cramps, I was reading everyone's experiences on forums, which is never super helpful, but everyone has very different experiences with it. Um, very weird note that if you ever do end up taking something like this, um, don't take antacids. That will make mm. you vomit. It, they don't see that. Oh. I know. So, um, because your stomach gets upset, you know. Um, so you just have to be very careful with what else you take. So I just wish I had kind of gone into it like I was having a medical procedure at home. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, heating packs. Oh my god! Thank God for heating packs. I just did not that heating pack did not leave me for three days. And then just time. So in that time. I was three months into my quote unquote time to finish my manuscript and I did not want to ask for an extension. I think I didn't want to use the mother card. I also, it would have, I think, made it even more of a failure, you know, like Mm -hmm. having a Mm -hmm. not a failure, but you do lose something. And I was like, I cannot have lost this baby and lost the pride I have in always being on time. Ridiculous.
0: Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like in in the, I'm gonna try some words out. You can tell me how they feel. But I like, for me, sometimes so much is out of my control, and I've lost so much that I just want to do one thing that yes. I used to be able to do. Yes. That's like right. I just like it's part of my identity, and I'm just like, no, I can't also not do that. Like it it, it almost makes me angry. Um. So I get it. I think. I mean, this is my experience is different than your, everyone's experience is different, but
1: yeah, that that is totally, totally it. And what's hard about it is also like, you know, I had, even though I was only eight weeks pregnant, as you know, we're planners. So I had kind of looked at my year ahead and been like, okay, I'm going to have a baby in June and great. My book and my edits will be done by then. And that will be in the marketing phase. So I'll take the summer as like my little maternity leave. And so like right now I would be seven months pregnant, you know, but I'm not. And so it also, I am reminded of it constantly because I am not pregnant and I don't, the year looks different than I thought it would look.
0: Yeah. There are so many um, invisible losses and compound griefs in parenthood Mm -hmm. that people don't ever see Mm -hmm. unless we explicitly tell you. And it's so, it's so, I did not. Know how much of parenting would be about grieving. Like that was not something I expected.
1: Yeah, it's true. I'll give a. I mean, if you can give us a little lining on something like this, is the one thing that I have been able to appreciate now that I feel better. Right, like I, I, I feel all hormonally, I'm not 100 back to normal, but I'm physically, I feel like a little bit back to normal. Is Sienna's is two and a half, and yeah. I love it, and I love it. This age is so much fun. And for the most part, I have energy for her, right? Like mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I can run around after her now. I I have a, I, I, it's almost like, you know what? Maybe I'm able to really savor and enjoy this time more because I'm not pregnant <laughs> and run after her and play with her and have dance parties. And I think I could have done all those things pregnant, but I certainly would have been more tired. And so I am, I found that I think I'm able to really savor this time period a lot more than I maybe would have. And so that's sort of a silver lining that I hold, hold really tightly onto. Oh,
0: yeah. I love that. I, I, um, I think just touching back on the, what about the first year Uh, question that we started the podcast with and, and people telling you like, Oh, like hold on to it. Or like, it goes so fast. I think it's hard to, when you're working that hard to also step back and see it. Like, I think that's such a paradox because when you're in the thick of it, it's really hard. And, and so just getting a break or a vantage point, the ability to look, I will say I have complete blind spots for about the time I was pregnant with my second kid Mm-hmm. I don't remember my first kid's two-year-old. And so I'm, I'm living through it the first time now with him because most of the time I was just vomiting in a bucket. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to talk to this other child. I am so tired of using my body. I just need to sleep, like go away. And so, yeah, the savoring quality, um, what a cool way to look at it. And also I know everyone's experience is different, but it's true. I did. I... It, it's true for me that I ha I don't remember much of my first child being two.
1: <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a funny <laughs> thing about two. And I know this episode is not about two years old, but I want. Okay. to, This is a this is a funny kind of thing. So, I have this thing as I joke in my business. I'm a recovering awkward person. So, uh, yeah. for those of you who don't know my work, I that's I write about being awkward and how to be a little less awkward with social skills, and. Um, an aspect of that, a symptom of feeling awkward all the time is that I always think that people are mad at me. Always. (laughs) Like I always think that people are mad or I've done something wrong or I'm in trouble. Always. Like if someone doesn't text me back right away, I'm like, they hate me. They hate me. Like it's just, it's a part. And I've come to understand this is just how my brain thinks socially. So that's something that I've learned about myself. One thing I love that I unexpectedly found so amazing about two is that two year olds are really honest. And <laughs> if they are mad at you, they tell you they are mad. At you. Right. This, as a recovering awkward person, is the greatest gift. <laughs> I always know how she feels about me. So I get a oh tickle of yeah. joy when she's like, mama, I'm mad at you because I'm like, at least I know. <laughs> Someone told me. <laughs> Someone told me. I know her emotions at all time because she tells me them. And so that is a delight to know. Ex- like when she's happy with me, she tells me. When she's mad at me, she tells me. She uses words like, I'm frustrated with you. Great. I love to know when she's frustrated with me. And so that has been an unexpected delight that... um that the that two-year-olds are very forthright with their emotions so you don't have to guess which is it's for so me great. a relief
0: so great it gets better i think um, okay. i can't wait <laughs> even better um i will tell you my almost five-year-old he go last night i was it last night it was last night but the night before i was so tired um because pandemic, parenting, all of it. But I was so tired and I was laying on the couch and I was I had given both of my children iPads and I was watching my own device. So we were devices <laughs> on and I was just eating slices of cheese. And <laughs> my five-year-old looks over, he goes, mama, I was like, yeah. He goes, you're like a mouse. And I was like, what? He goes, you love cheese so much. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sweet, you got my number. Like, that's... <laughs> Mom, yep okay like they just see they, they see. see and they tell you and they're honest and they're just straightforward and I was like uh I may have to work on my cheese eating habit at some point but
1: not now like not, not now today. not now and like there's times where like she's so involved in play that she's like mama go away great that's right great that's right please tell me because I'm also always worried that I'm annoying people and so for oh. her to say exactly when she's like mama go away mama come it's like, okay, great. I know exactly what I want and what I'm not wanted. So that was an unexpected what, delight of twos, of the twos. Mm. Okay, I, I have a couple
0: more questions for you um, that I want to make sure to hit on. And first, before I move to the, the social awkwardness conversation that I want to ask you about, uh, did you do anything? I'm going back to the miscarriage. Did you do anything to ritualize or um, move through it emotionally or psychologically or mentally in addition to physically? Like, did you have any anyone help you through that? Or did you do anything to help you get through it? What was that like for you?
1: So I am a big, big believer in psychoanalysis. So I have mm-hmm. been in psychoanalysis twice a week for 15 years. <laughs> oh, cool. So, yeah, so I'm super analyzed. You know what I mean? I'm super <laughs> analyzed. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's, I think my psychoanalysis is the reason I'm successful in business. Um, I think it's the reason why I have a successful marriage. It's the reason why I always want to be a better mother, you know? Um, and so thank goodness I have a, a great psychoanalyst who I see twice a week.
0: Amazing. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad to hear that. Because um, I think so often people can feel like they're off in space floating alone, like no anchors. Who do I talk to? Who do I tell? What do I say? How do I, you know, mentally unpack this or process this?
1: I, I also should say I, I, I talked about it. So um I immediately actually so my my first thought when I when she said there's no heartbeat was I don't understand. Yeah. Then once there was a couple minutes where I was just quiet because I kept waiting for her to say, oh, there it is. Once that didn't happen and she took back the wand, the ultrasound wand and, and turned it off. That's when I finally was like, oh, like it, it's, it's final. My very next thought was I began to go through the people in my head who have had miscarriages and have gone down to have children. That was literally my second thought because I kept, I thought, oh yes, my friend, she she had a baby, she had a baby, she she had a baby. Um, Oh, yep, that, that person on Instagram, yep, she had a miscarriage and then she had a baby. Like, that was my second thought, was the people I knew, celebrities and friends who had had miscarriages and went on to have children because that was the only thing I wanted to know was... Am I going to be able to have a baby? And so right. I realized I have to talk about it because I want people to know that I'm okay now. I hope I will have a baby eventually. And so I was, I was also pretty actively calling my people. So I called the, the I knew three women would have miscarriages and went on to have children. So I called each of them, um, and sort of talked in depth about the process and how they how they went through it. And that really helped. And then slowly telling every single person in my life. I mean, literally people who didn't even know I was pregnant, I was telling, hey, I, w- I w- want to tell you I-, I was pregnant, but I had a miscarriage. That actually helped. That actually helped. And, I, and so that was also, I think, a big part of the emotional process because that took, that's still happening, right? Like Because of the pandemic and I'm not seeing as many people, I'm still telling people. Yes.
0: Has the story changed? Have you like, has have you shifted? Because I know when I tell stories, I tell different stories over time based on what I need to tell.
1: I don't think it's changed much. The only aspect I didn't share is that um, a week before I had the miscarriage, my stepmother passed away, and I, oh. yeah, yeah. So my um, she died of uh, glioblast glioblastoma brain cancer. Um, oh, what
0: a terrible week and year in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and so I have stopped telling that aspect of the story. Um, mm. That was very integral. They were very, I was going through grief of a, of a stepmother, my mother figure. I mean, she's been my stepmother since I was three years old um, yeah. and a baby. So they were very closely tied. And I had a very gentle, loving friend say, you know, I don't, these are not tied like the, like one did not cause the other. Mm-hmm. So once I was like, got over that, I stopped sharing that aspect of the story.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. Thank you for telling me. Thanks mm-hmm. for sharing. Um, a good friend of mine had a miscarriage right around the same time you did actually, yeah. which, you know, of the, of the billions of women there are in the world, uh, there are also, there are so many women who probably had miscarriages at that point. Mm-hmm. I always think, uh, When I was talking to them, they said, um, uh, they didn't know any of the information. And I said, oh, is it helpful if I give you information, right? Do you want me to look things up? And they said, sure. And I said, so, you know, somewhere between like one in four, one in five, it might be one in 10, we don't know, but a good percentage of pregnancies end in miscarriage. It's very common. Mm -hmm. And when I told them that they were like, I had no idea. No one ever told me. No one, ever, no one had, you know, it just wasn't common knowledge for that person that it was yep. so frequent. And when you consider that many of us are pregnant multiple times, potentially, um, I think it's one in three women will get pregnant in their lifetime. It's just, it is so common. So if you're listening and you've gone through something like this, um, we see you not literally because this is a podcast but Mm -hmm. we know you're out there and I'm just so thankful Vanessa for you sharing and there is one um, uh, blog post I'll link in the show notes it's really really helpful that was helpful and I've sent to other people it's by Sarah Taylor Tans she has coaching by Sarah is her website and she details her miscarriage and then all the things that helped her Recover, and I just find it so practical and useful. So, um, if anyone is listening and is like, "Well, what do I do?
1: Right? How do I get through this?" Um, I'll put some resources in the show notes for you. Thanks for giving me a space to talk about it, Sarah. I haven't talked about it publicly yet, so this is the first.
0: Oh, thanks for telling us all of the things. Or, or, uh, just it's these things can be hard to talk about, but they're so important. So, thanks for trusting us to tell us your stories.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, one final p- uh, thing to talk about that I teased in the beginning: social awkwardness. Mm-hmm. I, feel I, I I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually like really proud of us. I think we've we've recorded a podcast episode so far that's been very articulate and clear, and like I feel like a human, which that's is proud of us uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> like we have done a remarkable job on the show. Um, I but I also want to say that like I th- what I told other people about um, we're, we're recording this in March, 2021, um, it's the end of March. This will probably come out end of April, early May. And I, um, I feel like I'm trapped in the body of a 14-year-old. I haven't seen people in a very long time. Yeah. All of my interactions are on the through the internet like through a screen and um and then like things that I think will make me happy or like I think I know how to mm-hmm. do I'm like, "Oh, let's go." And I and I talk to someone. What actually happens is I the strangest thing, it's like I hiss like a cat. I don't <laughs> actually do this, but it's like I'm like, "Hey, like people, go away" because I've been so cultured to be socially awkward over the last year because of the pandemic. So um, as a currently awkward person Uh, or feeling like it, do you have any suggestions for how to warm back up into social interactions as we move from pandemic reality to the kind of murky next phase?
1: Yes. So this is obviously something that I've been thinking about for a year. Um, (laughs) One thing I'd like to share with people right off the bat is socializing is a muscle, in the sense that it can atrophy. There are specific parts of our brain that we use for aspects of socializing. For example, uh, the spot right behind your right ear, that is where in our brain we analyze and decode facial expressions. Like it's literally, that is the specific part of our brain we use for decoding facial expressions, as well as what's called the fusiform face area. Hmm. The reason I share this is because if you're not seeing a lot of people, where you're only seeing faces On under masks or you're only seeing half of a body or a quarter of a body on zoom the muscle that you use to look at facial expressions hear tone differences analyze space between people which has also been changed because of social distancing rules that muscle literally gets underused so Mm -hmm. when you're going back into the world it is like going back into the gym after taking a year off That is literally how you have to think about it. Like you might've been in great shape a year ago, but if you sit on the couch for a year, you're not gonna retain those same muscles. You're gonna have muscle memory, right? You're gonna remember how to do a squat. You're gonna remember how to do a bicep curl, but you're gonna have to start with really low weight. It is the same. We should do the exact same gentle approach with our social skills. Thinking about, okay, what's the first workout I wanna try? Right, like not jumping into a conference with five hundred people in masks. <laughs> right, yeah. like that Fair is be, yes. that would be like trying to do an Iron Man after taking a year off from the gym. It just—it's it, not going to work. Every everything's going to fail. You're not going to be able to do it well. So that's the first thing is we want to start low and slow, low and slow. Right. So, not thinking about the big things you've been dying to do, you've been waiting to do, but maybe starting about some of the smaller things to just slowly retrain those muscles. I also, want, I also have been thinking a lot about how um, there was a great piece, I believe it was in The Atlantic, um, that talked about how the pandemic has wiped out entire categories of friendship. Did you see this piece at all? Oh, this
0: sounds amazing.
1: Okay, so what's happened after a year of social distancing is there are categories of friendship that have disappeared, like the friend of a friend who you always saw at their holiday party, their birthday party, when y'all had happy hour. Gone. That person's gone. You never had their number anyway, but you don't see them anymore. So now they're gone. You also have uh, location-based friends. So I used to go to Orange Theory back in the day and I had a couple Orange Theory friends. I knew their first name, but that's it. But we're not friends anymore, right? Like I, I never was friends with them outside of Orange Theory. So I'm not friends with them they're anymore. They're just gone. They're gone. They're, gone. they're literally gone. Wow. Um, uh, so activity-based friends, location-based friends, people you would see at the same time or the same place, friends of friends, even certain work friends that you don't work with directly, but you used to see in the office or see in the parking lot, gone. You don't see them anymore. Yes. So I actually think this is a good thing. The article kind of framed it as more of a bad thing. And there are some sad parts about losing these budding friendships or these loose friendships. I actually think this is our opportunity to engage what's called the fresh start effect. So the fresh start effect has been proven over and over again that whenever you have the perception of a fresh start, you're more likely to be more ambitious, set better goals, get more done, be healthier, be more strategic. And so this happens with weight loss, this happens with social goals, happens with business goals. The fresh start effect is that um, when they analyze thousands and thousands of goals, they found that people are more likely to make progress on their goals on Mondays, because we typically have a fresh start on Mondays. Yeah. At the beginning of the year, at a birthday, and the beginning of a weekend, because sometimes that can be someone's fresh start. And I was like, that is a very interesting psychological effect. So whenever you feel comfortable going out into the world, whether that's post-vaccine or or you know, you've know you decided that uh, your town is hit herd immunity, whatever that is for you, actually use that as a fresh start to look at the friendships and the people you have in your life and say, Who do I want to have in my life moving forward? Do I truly miss those orange theory friends or not really? Mm Do I like the people in my pod? Now's the time to look at that question. And so I think that we have this beautiful opportunity coming up that we can prepare for that I've been talking a lot with my students about, which is who do I want to have in my life? What kind of relationships do I want to begin to go back to the gym for? This is so
0: cool. And this is relevant beyond the pandemic too because this is this is an experience I felt even postpartum. Like You're gone for three months or four months, you know, you're you're homebound, different relationships start to dwindle. I know so many people um who take a year or two away from work and then they're just like, How do I get back in? How do I warm up these muscles again? And I love likening it to the gym. And a lot of people who go back to work after a break will go back on like Thursday or Friday. So you have two days and then Mm -hmm. a weekend to rest and then the full week so that it's just not so much at once. Love it. Oh, this. This is, this is really great. And I love this fresh start effect idea. Um, Like which friendships do, do I not need to restart? Like which ones are okay? This is a, this is kind of an opportunity to rethink.
1: Uh, and also provided
0: like, I get enough sleep to think, yeah, go
1: ahead. <laughs> it's also like Who and when and how? So it's the first yes. question, and like, I, like I'm a, I love like, you know, office supplies. So like get out of like a couple of sticky notes, like get out of a notebook. And like, the first question is who, like, who do you see in your life for the next like five years? Like, who do you want to give your time to? The next question is when, like, when do you get fuel from socializing? So like, for example, I really value my family time. And so I protect that first. I do not enjoy friendship time when it's taking away from my family time. I've noticed like a normally enjoyable friendship thing. I'd be like, oh, I should be with Sienna right now. I I really miss her. So my ideal social time is when my husband is having a date with Sienna, for example. Or I would rather take work time and give it to social time. So when, like when does it fuel you best? I also know that like I... Typically like a little bit calmer weekends now, like after the pandemic, I'm like, man, I really like a slow weekend, but I don't mind hanging out and having a long weekday. That might be totally different for you, but I have learned that over the last year. And the last question is how it's so, like, for example, I love walking with friends. I get a workout in and I get to chat. I'm not as big yes. fan of like grabbing coffee like that's yes. I would, I would rather drink my coffee at home and, 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 you know, skim through a hundred emails. With my coffee. Right. You use the caffeine for the, right. for the work. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. So like, or like a, you know, a pedicure. Okay. Cool. Right. I'm not, I'm not doing those yet, but like, that would be something that I would, I wouldn't want to do by myself. I would definitely want to do that with a friend. So the last question is how is what would actually make you look forward to it? What actually feels like a good use of your social time and your real time, and then begin to look for patterns. Those three lists are really important.
0: Hmm. We do a lot of now that my younger child is uh, into one nap zone. Mm. A lot of early morning hikes with friends. We're like, Hey, if you want to meet us, we're going to go for an 8am Saturday hike Love with it. the kids. And if you like carrying things or you want to work out, you can swap this in because we will give you a 40 pound child that you can carry. <laughs> on the <walk. laughs> Um, but we have to be done by 10 30 to 11. So we can get home for nap time and that's kind of the container and we're if they're friends we really like i hope not too many people are listening to the podcast um but if they're <laughs> friends we really like we'll say um you're welcome to come over and eat dinner it just has to be in our house and like you just hang tight for 30 or 45 minutes while we set kids up for nap time and uh then we'll like have a picnic
1: Love it. See, that is setting everyone up for success as opposed to doing it accidentally. I think the fresh start, and this you're exactly right, this is not just post-pandemic, this is postpartum, um, is you get to dictate what you want your social schedule to look like if you do it purposefully. Mm -hmm. Don't let it be by accident.
0: That's right. And and, uh, because you're a scientist and uh, we speak the language of experimentation, which is one of my favorite languages. If you don't know, just try it and see and then collect data, right? You're like, oh, I'm doing a lot of weekend events and I'm miserable, right? And you're like, maybe now it's time to tweak that a little bit or say, no, you know what? We don't meet on the weekends because I have such an intense job. The only times I really have dedicated to seeing friends are Thursday at happy hour and Friday for breakfast, whatever it is that
1: you decide. Exactly, and that might change based on the age of your kid. And that's cool, Like, right? Like. Like that's cool. And so I would like set a little alert in your calendar that you're going to do this every six months. Yes, a hundred percent.
0: Vanessa, I love your brain. I love the way you think about things. I like how geeky you are. It's so good to talk to you. I can't believe we made it this long. Thank you for doing an extended podcast. Is there anything else I didn't ask you in this episode? I know we're probably going to do another one in a year. So.
1: Oh yeah, let's do another one in a year. Um, uh, Anything else that would be... uh, I think share more of your experiences with your friends and family and your social media. I think that like some of the real experiences, we need more of those things. So not just about the heavy stuff, but even like, you know, this, this thing changed my life. I wish I had known that like Sarah asked me questions about what I wish I had known. I would love to know those answers for you too. And I think the more that we share them, the better.
0: Yes. And I will, I will add to that. I'm going to yes. And again, um, which is what I've done this whole podcast. One of the things if you're sharing on social media or you're sharing the place where you are vulnerable. Um, my recommendation is tell people what to say mm-hmm. afterwards. So if you share something that's vulnerable for you, say, I'm not looking for advice or I don't need this, or what I would really love to hear is are your stories or what I would really love to hear um, is just like that. You love me. That's all I need. I don't need any advice. I don't need any links. Just tell me that you love me. Right. So whatever it is that you need, if you can tell people and communicate that with them when you're sharing a story, it can, it can be a really wonderful experience if you're ready to share.
1: So love it. Thank you so much for having me again.
0: Thanks for joining me. Thanks for uh gabbing with me. I, I like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. This was amazing. I know, I miss it. I miss it. Uh, Everyone, you can find Vanessa at scienceofpeople.com, and you have an amazing YouTube channel. She has a best-selling book called Captivate. You have another book coming out uh, where you you took put the manuscript in, probably what a
1: year from now. Yes, yeah, spring twenty twenty two. Hopefully, the pre order page will go up soon. And working title right now is Cues: the cues you send to the people you love.
0: Ooh! And congratulations on getting your manuscript in, even during a very tough time.
1: we, oh, we see you. Thank yeah. you.
0: That was Vanessa Van Edwards, everyone. She is amazing and she has a new book coming out in the spring of 2022. Also, I promised at the beginning of this episode to tell you a little bit about potty training. We avoided it hardcore the entire summer and then I picked up one of the potty training books and read it and it was like, you should do this between 20 and 30 months. And my kiddo was definitely older than 30 months, so I felt a little bit ashamed and embarrassed. I was like, uh, I should have done this. And then I realized that we are two parents with two different jobs, trying to figure out a pandemic and make it through, and that there is no manual for how to do all of this while you're also living through a collective cultural trauma. So I felt like I needed to just chuck that out of the window and I thought to myself, okay, we're going to do it this fall at some point, but I don't want to fight my child who is now very stubborn and very determined. And if I even suggest the potty, if I'm like, oh, let's go put poop in the potty. He goes, no. So I just backed off. And then one day uh, towards the end, middle to end of August, he looked up at us and he said, on Wednesday, I'm going to wear underwear. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Cool, you like underwear. And we looked at a bunch of underwear and we like picked out the trucks on particular pairs of underwear. And I looked over at my partner and I said, So our two and a half, almost three-year-old just said he's wearing underwear later this week. Should we go for it? And we rolled up the carpets on a Saturday, and he was so excited to use the potty. And he actually knew a lot more than we had anticipated. We thought we were gonna have to teach all of the relational behavioral cues but maybe something about being around other kids that were potty training and daycare or just deciding on his own that he was ready. It went so much easier than our first child. Our first child, it wasn't that it was hard. It was just that it was slow. It took us a long time, probably eight to 10 weeks to just kind of make progress through it. And this kid within two days was like gleefully peeing and pooping on the potty. And it, we had some accidents over the next two weeks, as is to be expected. When you learn things, you don't learn it, and then you're not perfect for the instantly. Um, but it was so much easier than I thought it was going to be, and it was all this child. And we pushed it off and pushed it off for six or eight months, and it was fine. So any parents out there that are navigating a new timeline, we will have lots of hiccups along the way and lots of things we need to figure out. And also, it's possible that your kid will be just fine or we'll figure out a new way of doing things. So some hope that while a lot may be messy and hard, not everything will be messy and hard. That's it, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode.